Hey everybody, and welcome to Crime and Spirits Podcast, your one-stop shop for spooky stories, handcrafted cocktails, and all things true crime. I'm your host, Bree. And I am your other host, Suze. I'm also the resident bartender here at Crime and Spirits. Because not only do we bring you a new case or topic of interest every week, but we also teach you a little something about mixology along the way. Because I mix up a drink that ties in in some way with our theme for the week and then walk you through how to make one for yourself so you can sip right along with us. We've been friends for years and one of our favorite things to do is mix up something delicious and throw on a true crime documentary, which is basically what this podcast has become. It is, however, better research than that. We promise. (laughs) Cross our hearts. (laughs) We also have a script written out that we mostly follow. Mostly. Still, you can expect some tangents here and there. We also managed to find a way to mention Criminal Minds at least once, if not multiple times, per episode. Gotta give Dr. Spencer Reed all the love. Yes, girl. And you also can't forget the cursing, because we definitely curse on this show. We try to keep things a little bit more conversational. Think less like Dateline and more like Girls' Night. Just replace the catty gossip with actual facts. And maybe just a little catty gossip. So come hang out with us, learn a little something with us every Sunday, and make sure to join us on Instagram or Facebook at Crime and Spirits Pod. That is the word and. We'd love to chat with you about, I mean, whatever, really, but mostly true crime. So buckle up, buttercups. Sip tight. And let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome, my darlings. If you don't already know, my name is Bree. And I'm Sue. We are the hosts, and this is Crime and Spirits Podcast. We're so very happy to be here with you. Hopefully your day is treating you well so far. Susan and I had an interesting week. Mm-hmm. But I got to cut mine off with a craft show. So that Lucky. was fun. But, you guys, what is happening of note is the Casey Anthony documentary. Just came out on Tuesday. Oh, snap. We watched parts one and part two. And mm-hmm, we're going to reserve judgment <laughs> for when we watch part three when we're done recording. Yes. We got tired. Yeah. It was a lot. There, well, and it's, it's a lot to take in. We just covered that case very recently, so it was very fresh in our minds. So mm-hmm. it was sort of like rehashing everything over again type yeah. status. I am dying to know what other people think. I mean, I've seen like the general consensus of the internet, but... It's true. Any I, of our listeners, if you have some thoughts on this, yeah. please feel free to share them. Definitely, definitely <laughs> reach out. We want to talk about it, because I have thoughts and feelings. However, I want to wait. You I'm guys, trying to reserve final <laughs> judgments for the end of part three. Yeah. I'm trying to wait until um, the one behavioral analyst guy, the body language guy, mm-hmm. he does. he's promised to analyze this. Well, people were probably shouting at him on the interweb to be like, please, yeah. dear God, tell us how you feel about they this. They were like, we want to do Casey Anthony and the Will Smith recently did like an interview. Oh, So okay. he's going to cover that too. Hmm. I'm excited to see this guy honestly is like... Some sort of sorcerer with the things he, he picks really up. Is. It's crazy. But we both, whenever we watch him watching somebody else, we're like, wow, that makes mm-hmm. total sense. And like, we're learning. Yep. So, like, I'm curious to see. Susan and I are going to cover, maybe, like, do a Don't Drink with Strangers That's after true. everything's all said and done and we've fully formed our opinions. I have some very <laughs> strong opinions already. But. I just don't know, man. And I hate that I don't know. I know. <laughs> That's been the whole thing about this fucking case. Yeah. We thought we knew, but now we're like, mm. I still don't like it. And you know what? That honestly, 
goes for today's topic. Right. Because I thought I knew and I had no fucking idea. Same Z's. So you guys, we are going to be doing a deep dive into human trafficking. We're going to go over what human trafficking is, how to recognize a potentially dangerous situation, and how we can hopefully keep ourselves safe. As we've mentioned before, we live right near a body of water across the border from Canada. And these are the kinds of places that traffickers like to utilize. If one was successful in recruiting or kidnapping someone, it would be pretty easy to get them out of the city quickly and efficiently. Well, my friend that moved to Buffalo said literally it's 15 minutes and one border crossing and you are in Canada. Yeah. That is it. That's, um, all, that's all of it. Mm-hmm. It's like right up the road for him, not even across the, the lake anymore. You oh, know what I yeah. mean? Right? Mm-hmm. He's much closer. It's scary. Well, and we're, we're fast approaching Christmas, which means everybody's going to be out and about, and the stores are going to be crowded, and this is kind of a peak time for, at least from our experience, it's true. for bad people to pop up. So we just kind of thought we should maybe talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. We both had either Facebook friends or somebody that we knew, like, in our personal lives kind of had an experience at the store. Like, I know a friend of mine was weirded out by, like, some woman following her in Walmart. You know, you see all those Facebook I posts. just saw somebody posted on Facebook. It was a gentleman that was on his phone that was the perpetrator, allegedly, that was creeping on a mother and her children. He thought they were alone, but it turns out the husband was just in another store Mm. and walked up on this man, in essence, creeping on his wife and children. So he took a photo of him and put him on Facebook, but it was definitely at the Milk Creek Mall. Oh, geez. Which I work right across the street from that. We had several smash-and-grab robberies at Jared's, which is right next door to us, a jewelry store, Mm -hmm. because we're right by highways, major highways, to get you out of town, too. It's crazy. There's been so many instances. The most recent one uh, was a creepy man and husband kind of do, like... We are assuming they're married. Yeah. They might not be. They like married. Oh, yeah. But they drive around in, like, this panel van, and they're, like, trying to get people to come over to their cars. They'll stop at gas stations and be like, they'll they'll send the woman, and she'll be like, hey, I need help with X, Y, and Z, trying to lure you over to this paneled van. So there's a lot for us to cover, Mm -hmm. and this is a real problem, not just locally, but around the whole world. And so with what little platform we've got, we just wanted to see if we can shed some light on the topic. Just so you know, we will be discussing different types of trafficking. This means that there will be times where we will be talking about sexual abuse and the like. This does unfortunately include abuse against children. We're going to break this episode up into sections, essentially, starting with an overview, then moving into real-life examples of trafficking. We totally understand, as always, if you're not too keen to hang around this week. We get it. No worries. We'll catch you next time. No hard feelings. None none whatsoever. Um, We never mean any disrespect to victims or to the families of those involved in the cases we discuss. Our intentions are, as always... To educate ourselves and any of you who choose to come on this little journey with us. Ultimately, the goal of this podcast is to have a good time while learning all about true crime, spooky stories, and how to make some delicious cocktails. So, if you like what you're about to hear, be sure to follow the pod on social media. And if you'd like to follow us individually, make sure you stick around at the end and we'll let you know where you can find us. Now, 
the fun part. Ooh. What are we drinking this week? Because I have something pretty and blue, and it looks like yes. a margarita. I'm going to call it a Blue Lagoon Margarita. Oh, I just love it. because that sounds like something that Applebee's would name a drink. <laughs> I had lunch at Applebee's today. And I'm just going for, like, <laughs> nostalgia here. That's hilarious. Um, because, again, like, usually I like to tie the drink in some way to the case, be it location or something. But yeah. Human trafficking is super serious. It's very scary, and it can happen to literally anyone, anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, since the subject matter is super heavy, we're going super lighthearted with our drink, because you're probably going to want one, yeah. slash need one. <laughs> um, so, I've always been intrigued with blue drinks. I always thought it was so cool that a drink could just be bright blue and have little Swedish fish floating around in it. Like, Permanent Brothers has fancy. one with a rubber ducky in it. Like... <laughs> little fancy like umbrellas and yeah it makes me think of like cool I don't know why call me crazy um before (laughs) I think this is why before I was of drinking age I saw a drink menu probably Ruby Tuesdays but Mm. maybe TGI Fridays and it had a giant fishbowl thing it was bright blue and it had a red Swedish fish at the bottom and I was like when I turn 21 (laughs) I can't wait to have one of those yes and I feel like every restaurant in the late 90s to early 2000s had at least one specialty cocktail that was blue. Yeah. On their menu. I, yeah. Right? I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, now that I'm older and have a little bit of bartending experience under my belt, I know that the secret to a bright blue drink is blue curacao. Hmm. It's a liqueur. I used to pronounce it blue caraco um, until... You know, an older friend who was also a bartender was like, you know, that's not how you say it, right? And oh, I was no. like, <laughs> no, I did not. So I sounded like a dummy for like five years. Oh, no. Um, also, did you guys know that blue curacao is made of orange peels? Oh, no. Because it is. I knew it was like a citrusy kind of flavor to it, but I didn't know. Yeah, I just assumed it was some kind of exotic, crazy, like, blue fruit that I didn't know existed from some foreign land or something. Turns (laughs) out, it kind of is. It's uh, made from the fruit of the Laraja tree. Um, It grows exclusively on the island of Curacao, which is in the Southern Caribbean Sea, just north of Venezuela, so right above South America. It's it's right near Aruba, I found when I looked on a map. Huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. Who knew? Not me. Um, <laughs> this island is a colony of the Netherlands. Together with Aruba and Bonaire, they form the ABC Islands. Oh, my grandparents went on a cruise there once mm-hmm. when I was very, very young. They yeah. brought me money back from Venezuela, actually. That's nifty. Yeah. It's literally right there, but this is a Dutch colony, so it's like, wow. <laughs> I can only imagine what kind of culture is there. Oh, it just wow. sounds really cool. Oh, we, that's got to go on our bucket list. Right. Places to go. Happily. Yes. Happily. So the orange itself that this liqueur is made out of is too bitter and too fibrous to eat. So to make the liqueur, they soak the oranges in alcohol and water for several days, and then they remove the peels. They add spices and hang the bags with the peels and the spices in a heated 120-year-old copper still, like you make moonshine in. Oh, my God. With 96% pure and kosher alcohol that is derived from sugarcane for three days. Huh. After that cools down, they add water and distill the spirits for another three days. Naturally, this liqueur is colorless, which I did not know. Susan, you were blowing my mind That's what I'm saying. I was researching all this, and I was like, what? (laughs) But it's a food colorant. It's a specific type of blue food colorant that they add to give it that bright blue color. 
Wow. Right? That's super interesting. And the flavor is orange-like, but it is a little bit bitter. The degrees okay. vary based on which, I guess, brand or type you have. We're using the only one that I've ever seen. It's called Bowls, B-O-L-S. It's in like a genie-shaped bottle. Yes, it's bottom. literally a staple in every restaurant I've yes. ever been to or worked in. Mm -hmm. It's just a thing. Which I thought it made it super odd that a few weeks ago, I think when you were looking for it, you couldn't find any. Yep. So I don't know if because of COVID production was slowed now or we, well it also seems exporting very was slowed or labor intensive and a lot of steps go into know. making this spirit that's what i'm saying wow that's super yeah. interesting so long story short not to, not only does blue curacao work as a cool color additive it also works well in a margarita mm. because it's orange flavored you can use it to replace your triple sec it's used in a lot of sweet cocktails, too, to cover up any slight bitterness you may experience, but the tequila here is going to be taking care of that. Mm -hmm. Don't you worry. <laughs> so to make the actual cocktail, in addition to the blue curacao, you will need Blanco tequila, simple syrup, and lime juice. As per usual, we are using fresh-squeezed lime juice and homemade simple syrup. If you have questions, hit me up. I can <laughs> teach you all about it. Um, if you use the bottle kind, there are no judgments here. If it's no. easier for you, I know they sell it at Walmart. Yes. They sell all sorts of crazy cocktail-related things at Walmart. Now. I have a giant <laughs> bottle of lemon juice because I forget about my lemons. Yep. And then they just, I have a gross With or away. Mm-hmm. That happens to me sometimes. <laughs> so first things first, rim your margarita glass or glass of your choice with salt if you'd like. Brie likes salt. I don't. I so do. she's got salt. <laughs> Next up, fill the glass itself and your shaker with ice. To your shaker, add one and a half ounces of the tequila. We're using Luna Zul brand, which we used before and we very much enjoyed. Mm, it's good. We're using a half an ounce of the blue curacao. Again, the only brand that I know is Bulls in the genie bottle. Mm -hmm. um, one ounce of the simple syrup and one ounce of the fresh squeezed lime juice. Again, the size of your glassware may affect your measurements, so keep that in mind. If you prefer a sweeter drink, add more simple syrup or less lime juice. Do whatever your heart desires. This is just what we're it's starting It's like a basic with. kind of margarita. Yep, this is a basic margarita yeah. right here. Um, now, shake up all that goodness in your tin. Strain it right into your glass. We're garnishing today with a lime wheel and a Swedish fish because somewhere deep in my heart, I'll always be you a sucker for a fun one. drink yes. with candy in it. I can't help it. I love it. I'm <laughs> like excited. I said, this is very throwback, like... 18-year-old Suzanne was like, I'm going to have a blue drink someday. Mm. It's good, right? It makes it, like, almost slightly more citrusy. Mm -hmm. I like it. That's good. Plus, it's pretty. Mm -hmm. You guys will see on Instagram. It's a very wonderful shade of blue. If you don't know by now, we love pretty, vivid colors. <laughs> yeah. so I'm a sucker. Put put a pretty color on it or a cool label, and I'm like, yes, I must have feel. it. Mm. I'm easy to please. What can I say? I mean, <laughs> same. <laughs> All right, so are you ready to get into things? Oh, as ready as I'll ever be, girl. All right, so just what is human trafficking exactly? Per the definition from the Department of Homeland Security, quote, human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor, sexual slavery, or commercial sex act, either for the trafficker or for others. This includes things like forced marriages, and the removal of bodily tissues or organs without consent. In addition to 
the more commonly recognized types of trafficking. I'm not going to lie, the tissues and organs, really, I was like, seriously, like kidneys? But right. I mean, honestly, they're taking something without your consent. Yeah, exactly. So. Right. Well, and that's just it. So, like, this is the part that really kind of got me because we need to remember that trafficking does not equal smuggling and therefore does not require the movement of a person from one place to another. Trafficking is actually based on the exploitation of a person. Smuggling, however, includes the physical act of moving a person across a country's border. In that scenario, though, consent is given, but the Sometimes. more often than not, when in this kind of situation, consent is given. That's what kind of makes it smuggling versus trafficking. But the movement violates the immigration laws of said country. Which makes sense. And these two terms are often used interchangeably, despite being two very different things, which I was guilty of and didn't know. I just assumed trafficking meant they pack you into a van and drive you somewhere else. Like, I don't know why. Maybe from all those Taken movies I've watched. (laughs) Well, and while smuggling can and often will turn into trafficking, it's important to note that there is a difference between the two. The exploitation is the focus here, and that's what we really need to understand is that it's not so much the specifics of what you're being told to do, it's that you're being exploited. Right. It makes sense. It does. It did, yeah. No, and it was. It was very. <laughs> I was like, oh, it was enlightening, okay. if you will. <laughs> the more you know. Exactly. So trafficking is actually considered a hidden crime because many victims are too afraid to come forward or leave their situation, no matter how bad it can get. For some, the trauma is just too much to bear. For others, a language barrier or fear of law enforcement might make it more difficult to reach out. Victims can be any age, race, gender, or nationality. What traffickers are usually looking for are people that are considered quote-unquote easy targets. These are people that are psychologically or emotionally vulnerable within our society. They look for those experiencing financial hardships, maybe political instability. Perhaps their community just went through a natural disaster. Think like tsunami or hurricane or something like that when everything's sort of willy-nilly people will trust not trust anybody but they'll take help where they can get it kind of you're not thinking that you need to be suspicious of people reaching out to help you in that moment but yes you should be but you should (laughs) um others perhaps could be lacking a social safety net of some kind like family support or you know things along that line somebody who might be more like a loner doesn't have a lot of friends might be awkward around people kind of thing right Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I sure did. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Traffickers are looking for people who are easily manipulated, for people who who can be lured by the promise of a well-paying job or a romantic situation, which happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some traffickers who simply rely on threats and aggression to get people to do what they want. This is another reason why victims don't report. They are just too scared of the person who put them there in the first place and what could potentially happen in the future. Right. And let's be real. By targeting society's most vulnerable people, traffickers are ensuring their victims won't seek out help. We've seen this in other cases that we've covered. Think like Sam Little. Mm -hmm. That's what came to my mind is that he purposely sought out women and girls who society, quote unquote, wouldn't miss, which I, I hate that, like term for people but 
That's exactly what he did, though. It's and true. a lot of them still don't have names. Exactly. You know, that shit is terrifying. Absolutely. And these are the same kind of people that traffickers are looking for. So we've got some statistics from the International Labor Organization that we want to share with you. Which, can I just say, are astonishing. Astonishing. <laughs> I read the numbers, and I had to go back and, like, read what I typed and mm-hmm. be like, is that the right number? Like, yeah. are you sure? <laughs> Especially when you consider this first... these first group of numbers we're going to give you is from 2012. Well, they're so that's already almost, 10 years old. Yeah, that's almost 11 years old at this point. And so at that point in time, there were an estimated 21 million victims trapped in modern-day slavery. That is crazy. I know there's a lot of people on the planet, but 21 million victims that's not is... anything to scoff at. So many people. That's so, so many people. Many. So it's broken down in kind of sub categories, if you will, 2.2 million people were exploited in state-imposed forced labor, 4.5 million were sexually exploited, and there were 14.2 million that were exploited for their labor specifically. And this is really what kind of made me go, oh, okay, so forced labor is like the big, the big bully here, if you will, which I really was naive to. And then in 2014, forced labor alone generated approximately $150 billion in profit per year. That's... <laughs> I'm going to take a sip of my drink because I don't... <laughs> there are no words. That's... That's insane. Yeah. How Astonishing people, is the perfect word pe- for it. How are people profiting from, in essence, like modern day slavery? That's just crazy to me. Well, it's like you said earlier, we were talking about somebody we used to know and Sue's kind of made a point there. She was like... I don't know how you can just go through your life being a shitty person. And, like, it's a good thing we don't understand that, but there's people out there who... Who not only understand it, but they manipulate it mm-hmm. for their own benefit. Like, well, mind-boggling. There are people out there who have Ooh. no sense of empathy or any of that. And that's how we get to this point. So, child workers, minorities, and irregular migrants are at greater risk for more extreme forces of exploitation. In fact... Half of the world's 215 million young workers are observed to be in hazardous sectors, including forced sex work and street begging. Okay, so I just have, like, a minor story. (laughs) When we went to Paris... Okay. ...by the Eiffel Tower, Mm -hmm. we went during off times because we got, like, good seats to get there on the plane or whatever. okay. So it was sort of, like, barren. The trees weren't flowering. Like, that kind of thing. It wasn't, like, your Parisian setting, if you will. Right, right. So we're walking up to the Eiffel Tower, and it was two African children, or boys, like, young boys, like, Mm -hmm. teenagers, maybe. Yeah. Who were, like, trying to get us to give them money. And they had, like, a whole spiel, so it was sort of like, I could tell it was, like, a scam kind of thing, but I know it wasn't for their own benefit, do you know Mm. what I mean? But it was, it was, in essence, begging, because they didn't really have goods. Yeah, okay. But they tried to trap us with, they would tie a bracelet onto your wrist and tell you a story while they were tying the bracelet onto Mm. your wrist, yes. But I didn't have any cash, so... No, thank you. Yeah. But it was just scary to see because they were, like, pretty aggressive, too. But I feel like this is an example of, like, if you yeah. don't come back with money... Right. You're going to get beat the oh, fuck up. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. Definitely. I think that is a total real possible It was, like, scenario. street begging, but, like, they didn't really have goods to give. So right. So, 
to me it was sort of like begging. Well, that's how yeah, I read spiel, but well, that's how I read it. I read begging as like the people that you see like on the corner with a sign. I didn't. I know say... it happens a lot in like India. Mm, okay. And like more populous places yeah. like that. That makes sense. They'll just have you know they'll send children out. The Eiffel the Tower makes sense. It's a tourist hotspot. Mm-hmm. People air off their like off kilter a little bit if you're in another country it was sad he just i think he picked up that we only spoke english so he just kept saying like hakuna matata and i was like i don't know if that's the only thing he knows or if like you know what i mean like yeah man at any rate it was sad yeah i don't like that the one of the last stats i've got for you is the fact that human trafficking is the third largest crime industry in the world and is the fastest growing activity of transnational criminal organizations that's crazy the also, leading is drug dealing which didn't surprise me and the all. second was arms trafficking which also, also didn't surprise, didn't surprise me. me i just didn't think human trafficking I guess I knew it was a big thing. I just mm. didn't know it was, like, number three. I'm not necessarily surprised. I'm more surprised just about what I learned about trafficking itself. Not so much that it was, like, the third. I just... The stats are just astonishing to When me. you take the, the time... The numbers are mind-boggling. Well, it's like anything else, I think. If you take the time to pay attention to the shitty part of it, like, you're gonna kind of be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. It's like that, though. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. All right, so now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of this shit and talk about some different examples of forced labor. First up on the docket, bonded labor. What is that, you ask? This is when a worker's labor is demanded to repay a loan or a debt of some kind. In some instances, an arrangement is made and structured almost like a work contract. However, the terms for this quote-unquote contract are highly exploitive and beneficial only for the trafficker, not for the worker. There is very little to no payment exchange, therefore making it almost impossible to pay back the loan at any point. According to estimates made just this year, approximately one-fifth of all people being exploited in the private economy are in situations of debt bondage. Which is wild. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. Um, Currently, this type of exploitation is most widespread in South Asia, but it does happen everywhere like everything. For example, just one, um, (laughs) in Charlotte, North Carolina. So there was this case that was wrapped up on January 8th, 2021, where the defendant, Tui Tian Long, a nail salon, salon, salon. (laughs) I like nail salon. That sounds hella fun. (sighs) This person was found guilty of forced labor. So over the course of the trial, a federal jury was presented with evidence showing how Long compelled the victim's labor for just under two years. So what happened was Long went to their employee and was basically like, hey, you owe me $180,000, which was a fake debt, by the way. I was going to say for what, but for nothing, apparently. They're like, you're going to work for me until it gets paid off, and you're going to sign this contract, and if you don't, I'm going to ruin your reputation and your family's reputation. Oh, and also, if you don't comply with this or I deem your work isn't up to my standards, I'm going to go to the police. So that was basically the whole thing, is that they were just threatening to do terrible things to this person if they did not choose to sign this bondage contract. Uh, was it, so was the worker someone from out of the country? It didn't explicitly state, but I think that it's pretty obvious Because that just imagine if you don't know the language or what's happening and 
you've put your trust in this person like either way i definitely think it's a culture where family is heavily regarded because that was specifically mentioned family and your reputation i feel as though if you disrespect the family like it was kind of one of those like vibes that i got um it didn't give a whole lot of details especially considering the nature of what happened because Long would then go on to abuse the victim mentally, emotionally, and physically. And they would use whatever was near them when physically threatening this victim. Which just happened to include things, you know, we're in a nail salon, like cuticle clippers, nail files, and brooms. Um, Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division was quoted as saying that, quote, This defendant used psychological coercion, debt bondage, and violence to break down the will of one of her employees, exploit her vulnerabilities, and force her to work long hours under threat of serious harm, end quote. That is literally the very definition of trafficking. Um, In the end, justice was actually served in this instance. Long was sentenced to 15 years in prison with a restitution fee of $75,000 paid to the victim, which I don't think is enough, but I'll take something over nothing. Especially, I forgot to write it in here, but when you consider the fact that the reason this got, this came to light was because Long beat their victim so badly that it was like the last straw and this victim went and reported them. Good. And like risked well, all. Like, I would high five this lady. Oh, thousand percent. Like this poor woman. The courage that imagine. that must have taken. But it's crazy. Like this person was just like, "Hey, here's this fictitious debt that I'm going to just tell you that you owe me, and now you have to work for free." I like I said, that would be like me going to Amsterdam or something and yeah. just being like, "Hey, I'm here for work. The only person I know is yeah, this guy." You know, he could do whatever he wanted, and I probably wouldn't know any better. Right, absolutely. And I'm not stupid. Like, these people aren't stupid. And that's not... Right. <laughs> it's never a question of whether or not... They're just getting they're caught up with... Manipulation is real, and you can be an extremely intelligent individual and still be manipulated. Absolutely. Because people who manipulate specifically look for, like, weakness or vulnerabilities within somebody's, like, personality, and they exploit that. They target it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why we're here talking about it in the first place. Rude. So, forced labor is defined as work that is performed involuntarily and under the menace of any penalty. It refers to situations in which persons are coerced to work through the use of violence or intimidation, or by more subtle means, such as manipulated debt, retention of identity papers, or threats of denunciation to immigration authorities. Do you remember, I think it was a couple years ago at this point, that one football team owner got in trouble because he flew some of the cheerleaders on a plane and took their passports. Wasn't it the Washington Reds? Excuse me, the football team. Yeah, oh yeah. The commanders commanders now. now. He's still in trouble because he also likes to use racial slurs. He literally like trafficked his cheerleaders Mm -hmm. like by definition. I have heard um, people who coerce women into being drug mules also Mm -hmm. confiscate their passports and say Oh, yeah. You can have this back when the job is done type of thing. That makes yeah. That makes sense. That checks out. Like, but, yeah, Dan Snyder. I'll say uh, his name. He's a big, giant he's turd of a person. Worst. I won't oh, even I say him. person. He's just a big, giant turd walking around in a business suit. <laughs> Honestly. I'll oh, just put it out there. I hate him. So, the takeaway from that definition is that there is a plethora of ways that one can be trafficked. So, in our next example from Stockton, California... A married couple is found guilty of conspiracy to obtain forced labor 
and two counts of obtaining forced labor. The husband, Satish Kartan, was found guilty of an additional single count of fraud and foreign language contract. Excuse me, foreign labor contracting. God damn. Well, those, <laughs> uh, to be fair, it's like how many more words can you string together to get your meaning across? <laughs> Yeehaw. So, according to the evidence presented in the trial documents, this couple sought out workers from overseas. They posted advertisements on the internet as well as some India based newspapers. These ads outlined the wages and conditions of employment and it was all a fabrication. All of it. They made the job sound like it was going to be this really great opportunity. Of course they did because they wanted to lure people in. However, once these workers arrived on scene, they were first forced to work for up to 18 hours a day with very limited nourishment and basically no time to rest. The workers were not allowed to leave the home, and very few of them were paid a damn thing. Mm -hmm. The couple created an environment that was full of fear, control, and disempowerment for their workers. Between February of 2014 and October of 2016, this couple would threaten, physically harm, and actually burn the people working for them. That made me so mad when I read that. (sighs) And if anyone expressed a desire to leave, things got even worse. The way this situation was brought to justice wasn't actually clarified in any research that we could find. But the important thing is that it happened. The couple was convicted on March 14th, 2019, and then sentenced that October. Both defendants received a sentence of 188 months. Dear Lord. Which is just over 15 years, if you're counting, um, in prison and Cartan himself was ordered to pay restitution to three victims, totaling $15,657. Which is definitely not enough. Rude. Not in California, not Mm -hmm. anywhere. Not anywhere. Not Not in Erie, but not, especially not in California. Not for what they had to endure. But again, what are they going to do? Go home? Right. They told their whole family, wherever in India, I'm assuming, if that's where they were, in that scenario, that they were going to America for all these great opportunities, and I'm sure they weren't allowed to communicate anything else to their families, so they just assumed they were living the high life over there. Well, and I guess it, too, depends, like, what situation were you leaving? That that always begs the question, right? Well, again, it's like with Omaima that we just talked about, leaving the slums of Egypt. Like, anything, almost anything would be an upgrade. She was willing to put herself into any situation, really. Which is, like, what makes this even more frustrating for me as somebody who, like, is just full of empathy. Like, I can't... (laughs) (laughs) Like, I genuinely can't handle when people take advantage of others just because they can. And this kind of situation is just so gross. It is. Gross is a good word. It, like, I don't know how else to I explain mean, it. frustrating, enraging, and also gross. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's literally all of it. <laughs> so, our next example is from South Lake, Texas. In the year 2000, members of a couple members of some wealthy and powerful families in Guinea arranged for a young girl mm-hmm. to travel without her family or mm-hmm. anyone with her to the United States. More specifically, to the home of Mohammed and Denise Tour. These people began to abuse this young girl almost immediately. They would call her names like dog and slave in between bouts of hitting her with an electrical cord. They would tell her how worthless she was, all while this literal child was cooking and cleaning and taking care of their children, some of whom were older than her. This poor poor girl did everything needed to run a home without any kind of pay for 16 years. 
Dear God. There was evidence presented at a later trial that showed just how far the physical, mental, and emotional abuse went. Over the course of many years, they completely isolated her from her family, as well as prevented her from receiving any kind of education. They shaved her head, made her wash outside with a hose, and as punishment, would make her sleep on a bench in a nearby park. Honestly, like... We talk about so many horrible things, but to do that to an actual child, like... A literal child. I, if I saw that those you, people, I would punch them in their throats. That you told her that family you, that you would be taking great care of her. Well, it sounded like to me, they, honestly, that the wealthy and powerful families might have been in on the shadiness of the situation. Mm. That was the vibe I got from the article that I read. I hope not. It just, I didn't like the whole, like, they orchestrated her going there. Now I see why Liam Neeson was so pissed off all the time. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, that's no, one of the biggest trafficking movies that yeah. I've ever seen, but mm. damn, mm. <laughs> this shit, I'm telling you what. It's so fucked up, because like, these are the worst possible, like, parts of human of humanity, you know? And that's sad because we talk about killers and rapists and cannibals and all kinds of They're all, they're all terrible. Yeah, but this is like leveled up because you're keeping... the manipulation and the exploitation The the mental stuff that really like fucks... Yeah. Adds a whole nother, another terrible onion Onion that we're unfolding here. (laughs) So uh, this poor girl's situation was finally brought to the attention of law enforcement and her traffickers were eventually brought to justice... U.S. Attorney Aaron Neely Cox said that, quote, it took tremendous courage for this young woman to share her story at trial. She was brought to this country at a young age, pressured to stay quiet, and forced to work for this family without pay for 16 years. I want to commend her, as well as the witnesses who helped shine a light on her circumstances, end quote. Um, the tours were convicted of forced labor, conspiracy to commit alien harboring, and alien harboring, Each received a sentence of seven years, not nearly long enough, but I guess. And they were ordered to pay over $200,000 in restitution. I always really enjoy when prosecutors are like, okay, I'm going to charge you for the conspiracy to commit this crime, but also for committing the crime. Well, and I feel like they knew it was going to stick, so they were like, fuck yeah, let's throw the whole bag at these MFers. Well, and it's interesting, too, that we kind of discovered that um, a lot of these trafficking cases are kind of like being brought to light, at least within the states in the last, like, 20 years. There's True. probably not a lot of law precedents. I'm not a lawyer, but I feel like there can't be a lot of, like, legal precedents set on how to handle these things. Right. So prosecutors, especially in a situation like this, like, that girl probably was no older than, I don't know, 10 when well, she I got mean, the, to the country. Well, I mean, the law is constantly trying to evolve, like, with the internet stalking and internet right. catfishing and... That guy just catfished somebody, killed her whole family. Yeah. Like, there's just a lot of crazy stuff that they need to. It They're just trying, takes time to catch up. Like the law moves much slower, as we <laughs> as we've learned yep. through doing this sure podcast. It's been yeah, mm-hmm, eye opening. It really has. So our last stop, sex trafficking. This is the one that everybody, I feel like, is most familiar with. When, I feel like before, before now, when people would say trafficking, I just assumed it was either child or sex. Yes. Those were the things. Exactly, same. So, per the End Slavery Now website, which is actually a really interesting website full of really good information, I would highly recommend you guys checking it out if you're interested in learning more about this. 
this is defined as a crime when women, men, and or children are forcefully involved in commercial sex acts. Additionally, per the law inside the United States, any minor under the age of 18 engaged in commercial sex acts is automatically considered a victim of sex trafficking, as they should be. Good. <laughs> Around 250,000 women go missing in the United States alone. Worldwide, it's estimated that there are over 4 million victims of sex trafficking. I believe it. Mm-hmm. I've this, been to Amsterdam. I've seen... It's so... That's all on the up and up, I've heard, but I'm sure there's... See, and I've, I not obviously it, don't have the experience, but, like, I've heard, like, it appears to be they, that it's... There's... The hotel that I stayed in actually had a sign that said, no sex trafficking here, which yeah. I think was not, like... Well, we don't allow it, but, like, we don't condone it kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm not knocking you guys over there. I love yeah, that I don't, <laughs> I don't have any knowledge of whether that is true or not, so I can't really speak to it. But I do know that this form of trafficking is highly prevalent in every single region in the world, with countries acting as either a source, transit, or destination hub. So there is, sense. you know, victims are lured by promises of a better life, and there's this huge underground network that exists and organizes the logistics of it all. Because, yeah, you're not going to have, you're not going to have, like, the transitional countries That's be crazy. the same as where you're going to pull people from and, like... I just think of, like, evil Penelope Garcia. Like, Aww. the underground, like, underworld, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm, the upside-down Penelope, like... Hacking I don't like that though. <laughs> she I don't think it's ever Penelope, that but it's like some version, some yeah. hacker version is just no. But you're so right. Making up all these travel documents. And yeah, because that's what they do. They give victims false travel documents. They take them to the destination country, and then they're forced into sexual exploitation, inhumane living conditions, and a life of constant terror. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Um, our first uh, example of this is the case of Centoya Denise Brown. This is right here in the good old U.S. of A. Um, Centoya was born to an alcoholic and crack-addicted mother, and her father was not in the picture at all. Um, her mother actually testified to drinking a fifth of whiskey every single day during her pregnancy, which, of course, caused Centoya to be born with what they call fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, so it used to be, what, fetal alcohol syndrome, I think. Yes. But they've added a spectrum to it because, mm -hmm. again, it depends on how much the mother drinks, during what stages, right. et cetera, et cetera. What parts of the development is affected. Are affected by, mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a whole lot to it. Um, however, before Centoya's first birthday, she was actually put up for adoption and was taken in by a woman named Elinette Brown, according to Elinette. Centoya began displaying behavioral problems in her preteens, um, which isn't terribly surprising considering that this thing can be symptomatic of S FASD, which is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Other symptoms might include things like poor coordination, learning difficulties, and problems with hearing and or sight. It's also pretty typical for people affected by FASD to have issues in school or to get into some kind of legal trouble. So. Not surprisingly, Centoya dropped out of elementary school. Right. 
I was like, elementary school? Like, what? Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about stuff like that. No, I was still excited to go to school in elementary right? school. Right? I loved it. <laughs> um, and she did start having run-ins with law enforcement pretty early on. By the time she was 16, she was a runaway living on the streets of Nashville. This is where and when she met a man named Gary McLaughlin, a.k.a. Cutthroat with a K. I fucking hate him. <laughs> Every time I typed it, I was like, oh, I hate him. <laughs> this is the only time we will refer to him as Cutthroat. Um, yeah, right. Because his real name is Gary. Okay. I can't take you seriously. Gary. Like, <laughs> Gary. Um, he was not a good man in any kind of way. According to Centoya, he threatened, beat, and raped her on multiple occasions. And, of course, because of course he did, he began trafficking her. Yeah. So on August 6, 2004, Centoya met 43-year-old Johnny Allen in the parking lot of the Sonic in Nashville. This guy was a real estate agent who volunteered as a youth pastor and Sunday school teacher. He also was a man who had a habit of hitting on underage servers and making them very uncomfortable all the time. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, the two meet, and then Allen asked Centoya if she was hungry and if she was, quote, up for any action, end quote. Gross. She's 16. I'm going to keep reminding everybody. She's 16. His friends and family were like, he would never do that. And I'm like, but it appears he did. I he can't... literally solicited a teenager for sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any other reason she would. Right. Why would she go with him? Yep. She, she was like, yeah, because she had to. She was ordered the food. They had to Alan's house. Centoya went on to testify that she agreed to have sex with him in exchange for $150. And I say agreed loosely because I don't know that anybody in a situation like she was in can technically really a- agree. Well, you can't. You're a child. You know what and I mean? she's got cutthroat <laughs> slash Gary. The contempt and rage in your face when you say mm-hmm. that. Gary. That's why I'm laughing, I promise. Ugh. We really need to get video recording because you oh moan so well. <laughs> I can't help what my face does. Oh, it's great. <laughs> so there is a point during this encounter where Centoya shot Alan in the back of the head with a forty caliber handgun. She then went on to steal $172 and two firearms before fleeing the scene in Alan's truck. There's some other details in there. Most people know who, what this case is. It's true. Most people are aware there's a lot of, like, well, she says this, and she said that, and granted, it's prevalent, and if you guys are interested and you want us to give more detail on this case, we'll totally cover her one episode as a full this, episode. This actually was going to be our focus, yes. and then I was like, I think trafficking is a broader thing. Yeah, like, we kind of workshopped to a point where we are like, maybe we should do something more like the Intel episode. Like, right. I think because there's more. There's a lot that people need to know. This story can, you like you said, be its own yeah. standalone. So if that's something you're interested in, by all means, let us know. And we will totally be more than happy to provide that for you. In the meantime, we're just going to kind of gloss over the remainder of it. Mm-hmm. So, Centoya never denied shooting Alan, but she claimed that it was done in self-defense. She had said that Alan was, had intimidated her by standing over her and touching her repeatedly while she lay in a bed. He made a move, which she thought was him going for a gun. So it kind of sounded like he made, like, a sudden, like, movement that startled well, her. Apparently, if she took firearms from the murder scene, then there were firearms there. Right. That was kind of where I went with it. So, 
so she reacted to this by pulling out the gun that her pimp had given her and proceeded to shoot Alan. Now, the prosecution alleged that she had intended to rob Alan this whole time and shot him while he was sleeping in order to commit said robbery. They say that she was never in any danger and therefore it couldn't have been done in self-defense. How do you know? Were you there? Right. Do you know? Right? Because we don't know. I didn't know that you were hanging out with them that day. I didn't know. You were at the stop. I didn't know you were a spider in the corner of the room, <laughs> you creepos. <laughs> at any rate, Centoya winds up being charged with counts of homicide, aggravated robbery, handgun possession, and criminal impersonation. She was tried as an adult because the judge thought that there was just too much risk to the community if they kept Centoya in the juvenile court system. She's 16. Just keep... She's Again, 16. 16. <laughs> um, she was found guilty of first-degree murder, felony murder, and aggravated robbery. Centoya was sentenced to life in prison with a chance of parole 51 years into her sentence. Again, 16. So when she's almost 60 years old? No, 50, 67. When she's almost 70 years old. Ugh, I hate yep. that. So she won't... Yep, mm-hmm, yep. She wouldn't even be eligible for parole until she's almost 70 years old. So, uh, yep, don't get me started. Uh. So, throughout her sentence, because obviously she did go to jail, she did get her GED, later an associate degree in liberal arts, as well as a bachelor's degree in professional studies in organizational leadership, and she was literally considered to be a model prisoner. So in 2017, the reason we all know about this, her case went super viral, and gave the attention of many high-profile celebrities, causing them to speak out against the sentence. It seems unreal that a literal child who was in a trafficking situation could be charged the way that she was. Again, though, she never denied that she shot him. Yeah. <laughs> she's still... She's a I, literal child. I can't help but laugh because it's ridiculous. It makes me think of the Jasmine Richardson case that we covered. Mm -hmm. makes me think of that law that they have in place there, and I just wonder how that would work. That, this is a case where, like, I feel like that, that should That person be, seemed like a psychopath. Right. Um, I, and I get it. Centoya had she her took issues. A life. She yeah. took a man's life. Again, though, she was being trafficked by Gary Cutthroat. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I just... It makes me so angry. It's infuriating. Ugh. Like, it really it really is. I'm not saying she's right, everybody. Just well, so we're clear. Well, I think, I think that part of the reason why we wanted to speak about trafficking, too, is that, like, this comes with layers. Like, we're always talking about oh awful God, onions an onion. and all the things, but, like, it's... While sometimes sometimes people do shitty things when they're in shitty situations, and I think that those particular instances should be looked at in a different lens. Right. It was kind of like when we were watching the Casey Anthony doc, and I, I looked at you and I was like, I wonder what would happen if this case happened now. And she had this story presented that she gave us in the, in the documentary. With the way we look at trauma and the way we look at those kinds of things differently... Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to know how society would have reacted. Drama and PTSD and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, the view has changed significantly. It's real, and it's a it's something that I think should be taken in consideration. Unfortunately, in Santoya's case, it was not initially. That a was thing. not <laughs> what happened. So all these 
celebrities and high-profile people are getting really pissed. In March of 2018, they announced that there would be a hearing regarding clemency for Centoya. Uh, the parole board heard many witnesses on behalf of Centoya and some who were against her getting clemency. The board couldn't get it together. They were split, I think, like two, two, and two. It literally was like, yep. Yeah, like two, even, four, evenly. two, not two, couldn't decide or yeah. something like that. I, they have a middle ground for whatever reason. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, that so seems confusing. They basically were like, eh, sorry, no, she'll be eligible for parole at fifty-one years served. By the end of that same year, there would be a resurgence of support for Centoya. The governor of Tennessee, however, wasn't having it. He concluded that she had committed murder to commit robbery and therefore wasn't going to grant her clemency. His tune changed, though, less than a year later because her sentence got commuted to 15 years plus 10 years supervised parole. Governor Haslam said... Haslam. Haslam. He's the brother of the owner of the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> he also was the one who originally denied her clemency because mm-hmm. it wasn't even yep. a new governor. No, nope. it was the same guy was like, well, I guess. Yeah. He went on to say, quote, imposing a life sentence on a juvenile that would require her to serve at least 51 years before even being eligible for parole consideration is too harsh. No shit. Duh. But she was released on August 7th, 2019, and by all accounts, she does a lot of, like, advocacy, and she goes and talks. She and her husband have formed an advocacy group. Yes. From what I read, and she does do, um, she'll go around and be, not a motivational speaker, but she'll speak to her experience about the prison system. Yeah. How it needs improving to be more rehabilitative versus punishment-based, and, like, all that kind of stuff. So I... She's doing good in the world. She may have done bad before under duress, but she's yeah. doing some good in the world. So, Which I think just speaks to maybe who she was meant to be as a mm-hmm. person. So I'm glad that that it took time, but we got a happy ending in that Heck situation. Yeah. The one and... Oh, not one and only, but, like, it's the few and the it far between. It feels that way, right? though. Um, our next case is actually one that's still ongoing. In 2016, again, 16-year-old Crystal Kaiser... Posted an ad on a website called Backpage, which may have been nefarious, but it was a classified. Yeah, it was supposed to be a classified ad service to meant to compete with Craigslist. It was for sex work. Yep. However, of course, it was seized by the FBI in 2018. It's been in and out of court ever since, and I think still to this day, they're like either wrangling over it or fighting over some part of it. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's it's still a thing. Well, I know somebody who knows somebody who is, like, actively utilizing Backpage for said sex work. Oh, no. Which, I don't, I don't have a problem with sex work in general. No, whatever blows it's your hair back. It's about being safe. And well, yeah. It's not just, being forced into it, it when you're 16. It should just be fucking regulated. Like, God damn it. <laughs> well, apparently, so what I read, Crystal needed financial help to buy, like, school books and, and school supplies. And food, I think she said. Because, again, so this is what traffickers look like. She is a woman of color. Yep. Underprivileged. Yep. Underserved. Trying to do a, better for herself. Didn't have a good home life, so she was susceptible to this kind of predator. Um, so a friend of hers recommended that she make a post on Backpage, so she did. Which is where she met a man named Randall Villar III. He goes by Randy. Mm. 
I had to add like his last name, like Valor the Third, just made him extra icky. The third, though. (laughs) Why is it that part specifically that I'm like you pretentious fuck? I don't know. I don't like it. Um, he, of course, because of course he does, he offers to help her out and invites Crystal to live with him. According to Crystal, this is when the sexual abuse started. Uh, and it happened very often. Uh, he also allegedly began trafficking her through Backpage. He would send her out, then keep any money that she brought back, which kept her 100% reliant on him and on this icky, gross situation that was happening. Randy was a really bad like, man. Bad, bad. He was arrested in 2017, a year after meeting Crystal, for charges of child enticement, using a computer to facilitate a sex crime, and... A child sex crime. And second-degree sexual assault of a child. This was the result of a 15-year-old girl reporting him for giving her drugs and threatening to kill her. He was released the same day as the arrest, though, without having to pay any fucking bail or anything. They basically were like, okay, bye, we'll, we'll mail you your summons. Is it because he's the third? <laughs> I always, it. I always wondered, though. I was going to yeah. look into it, and then I was like, this is just too horrifying. Yeah. It, there has to be some sort of, like... I don't know. Unless... <sighs> he may have had money. Who knows? Maybe maybe there wasn't a lot of evidence to hold him past that. I don't know. The Without bail, okay. though? Like, it Ooh. just seems so weird. They literally were like, we'll just mail it to you. Literally. Bye. Like, see you later. <laughs> have a great day. Ugh. So, the thing that was even worse about this is that police had evidence of him abusing multiple underage black girls, and there was video footage of this. However, law enforcement didn't actually receive this evidence until three months after his arrest. This didn't really matter in the end, because on June 5th, 2018, Crystal shot Randy twice in the head. He was trying to pin her down to the floor when the shooting took place. Crystal left the scene in Randy's BMW taking some cash and his laptop with her when she fled. The BMW was later found in Milwaukee, and inside the car was a receipt that helped uh, police get led to Crystal. And for those of you who might not know, Milwaukee is in the state of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So there was surveillance footage and also like a Facebook Live video that played a role in her identification. Initially, she denied knowing him or even traveling to Kenosha, another place in Wisconsin, at all, but she later affirmed these facts to be true. I think he lived in Kenosha. So yeah. she drove from Milwaukee to Kenosha or something and then back to Milwaukee. Because Milwaukee is the bigger city out of the two. That would make yes. sense if he was trafficking her. That would likely be where clients, quote unquote, would be. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gross mm-hmm. dickheads that are. So, as is something that we're just going to be seeing apparently all the time, she was charged with first-degree intentional homicide, use of a dangerous weapon, and four other felonies, again, at 16 years old. (laughs) Or 17 at this point. At this point, yeah. But still, Still, like... Still a child. Dear God. Um, Prosecutors allege that the murder was premeditated. They recognize that Randy was, in fact, an abuser. However, they still believe that Crystal planned to kill him. I just don't even have words. <laughs> they have actual evidence of him abusing other women or yeah. girls, 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 not excuse even women, me, not women, literal children. And they're just like, but well, they're like, but you shot him though. How dare you? What? How dare you plan it? Um, Crystal is claiming self-defense via the affirmative defense. 
this I thought was very interesting. Yes, I agree. Um, it's a law the state of Wisconsin has in place that allows one to be acquitted of all charges, literally all charges, if a crime um, was committed by someone who was actively being trafficked, which was literally the instance here. Right. Um, in 2019, a judge made a ruling that Crystal quote, did not have access to the affirmative defense law for trafficking victims, end quote. Because what? what? That's literally the definition. Could of you that. explain to me why, sir? Because oh. that doesn't make any sense. Especially by, like, a proven abuser. You literally admit that he's an abuser, but no, she wasn't trafficked? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Get, no. Um, so the case actually received national attention after a Washington Post story, which I read, which is really good we're gonna link oh, it okay. if you want to read it it's it's definitely worth the read their stories always get me somehow i, I really don't know which writers they employ mm -hmm. but they are they do tend to be very well written they are and they're very detail oriented um this was only heightened by george floyd's murder and the protests that followed because again we're in kenosha milwaukee mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah what are y'all doing um crystal was actually released on bond in june of 2020 the following summer, on June 2nd, the Wisconsin Court of Appeals released a decision that stated the trial court had erred when Crystal was denied the ability to raise the affirmative defense. Well, no shit. Duh. I was literally, I was typing it, and I was like, no, duh. Like, <laughs> I love when you give me notes of, like, you're like, fuck this guy. <laughs> I literally will put an asterisk and I be like, it. this judge is a douche canoe or something, <laughs> like, just because I'm, like, so rage-filled. Um... So this decision was actually recently upheld by the Wisconsin Supreme Court that literally just happened July of 2022. And like we've said, this case is ongoing. So if there are updates, we will keep you updated. Because, yeah. again... Going in the Google alert yeah. list. <laughs> it's my Google I'm very, alerts are like, we. I'm very curious to see what comes out of this case because Wisconsin just had that whole... Um, was that guy, that douchebag guy... Mm -hmm. We're not going to say his name. The shooter that killed two protesters? No, the guy who... There's another one? The one that represented himself through trial. Oh, mm-hmm. Daryl yeah. Brooks. That just came out of Wisconsin. Oh, my God. What's happening Walk It was Waukesha, if I remember correctly. What are y'all doing up there? Something's in the water. Hmm. But I'm very curious because, I mean, he got... He got... <laughs> found like super guilty well and, like as, 75 million as he charged. should absolutely and i feel like because he was being an ignorant a-hole phase mm. they were like how much more can we, how much more can we charge somebody you watch it and talk to me about it <laughs> it was so I wild because i'll get too angry i watched wow. like half an hour of it with brie and i was like i don't know that i can continue this it's the judge much. though is running for state wisconsin supreme court Good. And but y'all should vote here's for the it. thing though, she's hella conservative. <laughs> and Legion Miller did a she does like live videos, like live streams, uh, two or three times a week. She talks about headlines for the week, and she's now become my news source. And she was like, I should have known by that hair. She's like, liberal oh, women, the... liberal women don't quaff their hair, and I started tiny laughing. When you're a judge, though, I feel like you have to quaff a little bit. You, quaff you gotta hair, have, yeah. Smudgy. You know, I, I don't know what her politics are, so I'm going to save any judgment for that because she very well might be, like, a cool conservative. I think she did such she, a good job with that case. Fantastic. Though, and she handled such a difficult person He was so trying well. to mistrial it the entire time. I know. He it was, was like, I don't understand what you mean. And she's like, I've explained it 27 <laughs> times. I was like, this poor lady. So I'm very curious to see how this 
uh, Crystal case is going to come out, so we'll definitely keep yeah, you guys we're gonna updated. we're gonna keep it on the radar for sure. If we have updates, you know, you know, we'll be posting. Heck them. yeah! So we can't talk about trafficking Ugh. and not talk about Elaine Maxwell and Ugh. Jeffrey Epstein. These guys. She's literally like, where is these the guys? <laughs> I'm doing a shot right now for the victims and also because, dear God, <sighs> they're the. Mm. The These warriors. two have been intertwined with one another from the late 80s all the way up to Epstein's death. It was actually really gross when I started researching, like, their backgrounds. Yeah. I was like, y'all are icky. Like, mm-hmm. The New York City socialite scene. It's so out. incestuous mm-hmm. and, like, caca. I don't like, like it. Ugh. I used to always, like, you know, growing up, especially as, like, a poor kid, you were like, oh, I would do anything to, like, be these people. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, God. No, why? I'm good. Ew. I think I'll stay poor if I thank, had to make the choice. <laughs> I guess. Thank goodness. Exactly. <laughs> you saved me. So Epstein was known as an American financier, broker, and socialite. Over the years, he had developed an elite social circle. And he would use the status to procure women and children. Procure. Procure. For the sole purpose of abuse from him and his associates. The investigation into his nefarious activity started way back in 2005. But I feel as though it very clearly, he had a huge network. So this man had been doing this for years. This is just when the investigation started. I like the. I'm by under no illusion that that's when I just can't imagine. So in my brain, I'm like, if it only if they only started investigating in 2005, like, oh my god, it yeah. could have been going on for 25 years at that point. Oh, you for know sure. What I mean? Oh yeah, thousand percent. So he was accused of in this particular instance, accused of sexually abusing a 14 year old in Florida. He pled guilty, and he was convicted of procuring a child for prostitution and of soliciting a prostitute. He served 13 months. 13. One, three months. And uh, he had an extensive work release in place. Mm -hmm. So he basically got to come and go as he pleased. I'm sure it was greasing of the palms with... $100 $100 bills or something. Seriously. Gross. Federal officials had identified up to 36 girls, but Epstein brokered a plea agreement, which led to his conviction of only two counts. Over the course of the next 15 years, there were plenty of times when Epstein would be accused and chose to settle out of court. There were a lot of cases here, and at least one of which named the most recent former U.S. president as a co-defendant. To give you a kind of idea... Of the people Epstein kept around him. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I don't like him. (laughs) Which him? (laughs) Any of the hymns? Definitely (laughs) Jeffrey Epstein. I don't like any of the hymns. In this instance, it's Jeffrey Epstein. I don't... The whole idea of his whole thing... Because, I mean, if you guys don't know, his whole thing was this awful island that he had, his private island, and he had this awful plane that was a private plane, and God only knows what went on. It was literally a sex plane to a sex island, it was, and it was just a sex trafficking-like circuit. That was, like, known. That's <laughs> the thing that grosses me out about this particular situation, I think, the most, is that, like, we literally watched all these high-profile people, like, engage with it. That's fucking gross. Because we're going to list them off later. Ha <laughs> 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 you icky motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, sorry. I like it. Ugh. I personally enjoy when you get feisty like um, this. <laughs> on July 6, 2019, Epstein is arrested again. Only this time, 
it's a federal charge of sex trafficking of minors, which... <laughs> If you've ever watched Office Bates, uh, Office Bates, it's a federal <laughs> pound me in the ass prison. Yes. They, yeah, mm-hmm. I fucking love that movie. Yep. girl. <laughs> they almost made me wear flare at work. I was like, oops. <laughs> like my flare? No, I threw it in the trash. I was like, <laughs> yes. I'm not doing that. They put that movie on Hulu now. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> um. So when law enforcement searched Epstein's home, they found evidence of the trafficking, which included, but was not limited to. Possibly thousands of sexually suggestive photos of fully or partially nude females and CDs labeled with young girls' names and titled Miscellaneous Nudes 1 or Girls Picks Nude. Hmm. Police also found $70,000 in cash, 48 loose diamonds, because who fucking does that except a fraudster, um, and a fraudulent Austrian passport. So this passport was expired, but it had Epstein's name listed as something different and stated that his home was in Saudi Arabia, and then it had his ugly mug smiling up for the camera. Mm -hmm. Not cool, dude. On July 8th, 2019, he was formally charged with sex trafficking and conspiracy to traffic minors for sex. Epstein was denied bond of any kind, and he actually, I don't know if you guys know this or not, (laughs) ended up dying in his jail cell on August 10th, 2019. It was ruled as a suicide, however, many, like the whole interweb, like everyone, believes (laughs) that this is not the case. However, because of his death, official charges couldn't be pursued, and the case was dismissed later that month. What do you think? I don't think it was a suicide. No fucking chance. That dude was going to sing like a fucking canary to save his own ass. If he showed anything in his previous behavior, it was that he only cared about his own Oh, for sure. Well, and uh, if if what we're to learn here is true, his best good friend has had her (laughs) mouth lips tightly clamped. Yeah, That bitch has like a vice grip on them. A thousand percent. He, there's no way, there's no fucking way that Jeffrey Epstein was going to take the fall by himself. Not with the list of people that he had. Oh, he was, uh, for one, for that, he was too pretty to go to prison. And this was happening (laughs) all in the time in which one of his buddies was currently running a presidential campaign slash just got into office. You gotta be fucking kidding me, he committed suicide. There's nothing in the world that can convince me right now. Or... I don't know. Or, I mean, I guess he was a coward at the end of the day. He didn't want to take the fall. He thought he was too big, too bad to ever get caught. And then he did get caught with a fuck ton of, like, fucked up shit. It just feels, it doesn't feel like that. You know what I mean? There's just something in my gut that's like, something's not right here. I mean, lots of nefarious shit happens in prison. It just doesn't normally happen to... It was just the way every, he was under constant watch. He was supposed to be under 24-hour watch, and you just, you're just you telling me that somebody... I've watched like, Orange is the New Black. I know nobody, nobody ever pays attention 24-7, but... I think that somebody would if they were charged with blocking Jeffrey fucking Epstein. I mean, I wouldn't want it to come back on this, my ass. This, pres- sure. this pound you in the ass prison was not Orange is the New Black. No. <laughs> well, no, I don't think... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he could pay to get out of this either was the other caveat. Only, they were literally... I can guarantee you they were like, you sing sing on everybody and we'll work with you. I can guarantee it. They would have done anything to take these dudes home, down. Instead, now this is where we're at. Mm. So, just because Epstein was down for the count 
doesn't mean that his potential co-conspirators were necessarily off the hook. Some of his associates include, but again, not limited to, Prince Andrew. Oh, you know he's been shunned by the royal family? No, really? Yeah. Mm. They're like, nope, you're not allowed to do anything with us. I mean... Not as bad as Prince Harry and, uh, excuse me, Harry and Meghan... Because they removed themselves, but still. Yeah, that's that's more bad. That seems more punk yeah. <laughs> than getting like shunned by he the royal family. He literally is like the sad puppy with his tail between his legs. Mm-hmm. Like they seems don't like want. He deserved they, it though. I think he was very active in the circle, you guys, because yes. he has a lot to hide. That's why he's not showing his face. Is my I have a lot of theories. That's one of them. <laughs> Other names include Tom Barrick, Bill Clinton, Ooh. Donald Trump, mm-hmm. Katie Couric. Ooh. Surprised me. Woody Allen. Not, not surprising. And of course, Harvey Weinstein. Bum, bum, bum. Piece of shit garbage. Oh, it's fine. He's going to be rotting in jail forever. Yeah, one can only hope. He is. Those who have made statements deny any involvement, of course. I find that shocking. Then we get to Ghislaine. She grew up wealthy and privileged. Her father was a publishing magnet who left her a stupid amount of money when he died. She was a New York City socialite, so of course she crossed paths with Epstein pretty early on. She became his right hand. Epstein referred to her as his main girlfriend. Ick. What does that mean? That made me feel... Okay, so that was like... You're just trying to be like... Uh... Playboy. Ick. Gross. Yeah, but girlfriends. She was she was down for it. She was all about it. She handled his household affairs, but also managed to accrue a slew of civil suits against her as well. Related to Epstein, of course. Since Epstein wasn't available for trial, she stepped in, not against her will. Maxwell was accused of befriending and grooming girls for Epstein and his gross circles to abuse, which Almost makes me more angry. There was one story where the girl was like, she made me trust her. Yeah. And then I was thrust into this lifestyle that was like nothing that I asked for. And that's what traffickers do, right? I literally cracked my knuckles like in my head and wanted to like punch her in the face. Like I was so mad. That's why traffickers have somebody like Maxwell. Like the pretty nice lady to be like, oh, well. He doesn't mean any harm. Like, don't you want to hang out you. with celebrities? Like, don't you want to be famous? Like, look how much money we're throwing around. Oh my goodness, etc., mm-hmm. etc., et so on and so forth. Like, mm. the worst. Hater. <laughs> on December 29, 2021, she was convicted of five sex trafficking related counts. She has since been sentenced to 20 years in prison. Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel like enough. Not at all. None of it feels like... And, you know, it's funny because these are, like, a rarity where we're seeing, like, justice served, essentially, but, like, it still doesn't feel like it's good right, enough. Right, right. Well, I, in a situation like this with Maxwell and Epstein, it just seems like it's so airtight that they left no trace. Yeah. Like, leave no. nothing behind in the National Forest or also when you're running a sex trafficking island. Like, right. I just... It's just mind-boggling to me. That nobody can pin it on find them anybody else, or, or, or like find that. anybody else to pin it on. Yeah, like, oh, very clearly, this is a giant ring of people. Right? Like, what? You're telling <laughs> yeah. me the crack team at Quantico can't figure it out? <laughs> well, they obviously don't have Spencer Reed and I know, his cronies. If only. <laughs> Shh. So 
Now that we know what trafficking is and have gone over some examples, let's talk about how we can try to recognize when it's happening. Because again, it's the busy time of year. We live right by a lake. If you live mm -hmm. by a major highway in a big city, they don't necessarily need to take you anywhere. They right. can just take you downtown or across town. And also now too, like let's think about the new things that we learned about what trafficking actually is. Like it might not even be what we thought it was when we started this episode. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like we were framing it initially. I also feel like it's quite it's quite possible from what I've learned that somebody could be in an active situation in which they're being exploited and I would have never have known. Right. But we're about to go over some stuff that we can look for. Now, keep in mind, not all of the indicators we're listing will be present in every situation. There are some key red flags, however, to keep an eye out for. You want to look for things like the employee is living, or I'm sorry, the employee is being, their identifying documents are being held. Like, think your passport, your yes. driver's license. I don't... Like the cheerleaders that we were talking right. about earlier. Right. They went on a work trip, and they took... Their passports were taken from That's them. terrifying. I hate him. That's <laughs> that's such a terrifying thing, too. The to fact think, that like, he still owns an NFL franchise is just mind-boggling to me, also. He didn't want to rename the team because he didn't see anything wrong with it. What? Get the, get the fuck out of here, That bro. all checks out. You also want to look for any signs of physical and or mental and emotional abuse. Is this person submissive or like fearful, like overly so? You, you would, you'll know. Your gut will pick up on something being weird. You think like skittish like a deer is what yeah. I think. Like. Or like a kitten that you just like freaked out. <laughs> like, the, you know, that very like right. scared. Innocent, susceptible kind of face. Yes. Um, are they perhaps under 18? They might be in prostitution. Maybe they live with their employee, employer, or they are in poor living conditions, or there are multiple people living in one cramped space, which I see a lot, I've read a lot with immigrants. Yeah. Because their people will bring them over, and then 10 of them will be living in a basement, yeah. so it's like, I don't... <laughs> which is so... Uh, it's a whole other, yep. whole other mm -hmm. sad story. Mm -hmm. So some questions that you can ask yourself if you're you know, seeing some of these red flags and you're like, oh, maybe, I don't know. Does the person appear disconnected from family and friends? Has maybe a child stopped attending school randomly? Has the person had a sudden or dramatic change in their behavior? They used to be really outgoing and now they're very Quiet introverted or, subdued, or yeah. yeah, like skittish or fearful. Does the person show signs of having been denied food, water, sleep, or medical care? Which I would think would be obvious, but you'd be surprised how subtle it can be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like rationing instead of withholding completely kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, um, Are they often in the company of another person to whom they defer to? Like, oh, hey, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? You know what I mean? Right. Like, even something as simple they as that. for themselves. Um, does this person appear to have been coached on what to say to strangers or friends or anyone in general? Um, does the person have the freedom to leave where they live and or work? If that's, if they don't have that freedom, obviously, like, yeah. red flag. Right, absolutely. So, like, what is it that you can do? I, just keep your eye out. Keep a pulse on the situation if you know somebody who fits any of these descriptions be mindful. I've noticed that, especially I feel like post-COVID, we're like relearning how to navigate the world almost. 
I always say it's people forgot how to people mm -hmm. for a while, so it's like we're learning how to be people again. That Not us, but like a lot of people, I'm like, <laughs> well, and there was a, I feel like during COVID could have been a really, it was a really dangerous time for some people. And I think that it's easy for us to put blinders on and it's easy for us as a society, especially within this country, but it's globally too. Like it's very selfish in nature. It's very easy for us to not pay attention to other people. It's easy for you to make fun of somebody who looks like they might not have money, but really they might be in a really shitty situation that's beyond their control. Right. So maybe we can take away treat everybody with a little bit more kindness and maybe just be more aware of our surroundings which leads us into this next part because you know we've all been on the internet we all know that there are a bunch of different ways that these people try to lure you in kidnap you what have you now we've definitely learned that it's more than just kidnapping and running but still you know i've noticed that this happens to women more often but i've heard instances of children and stuff were targeted as well so a couple of things that you can look for just like prime examples of like what they might do. Um, one is the broken glass method. So this is when broken glass will be placed behind your car tires, which will eventually cause a flat tire when you either back over it or drive over it or whatever. The people that put it there will then follow you until you have to pull over and then will attempt to kidnap you when you get out of the car, maybe to see like what's wrong or like how can I fix this type status. Right. There's the help me method, which we briefly spoke on mm -hmm. during the intro. Traffickers will try and trick young women to open their doors in the middle of the night. It's a ruse. Someone will pretend to be in danger to hopefully lure you into danger. Or they'll approach you and ask you to help with their vehicle or something. Anything to lure you away from your safety. One thing I notice is that like the zip tie thing and stuff like that tends to be myths with, with trafficking. I read... A lot of like fact versus myth things during mm -hmm. this and that really surprised me however the help me method is really big because it's about it's rooted in manipulation well and that so that was actually the one that I saw on Facebook I think around last Christmas I had a Facebook friend that was at the get-go like a gas station mm -hmm. on Upper Peach Street mm. Which is by, like, our main drag through, like, all the shopping, but it also leads to I-90 on one end and I-79 yep. on the other end. And they were getting gas, and this lady came over and was like, oh, can you help me? And she was like, oh, with what? Like, yeah. sure, like, money or five bucks or whatever. And the lady was like, no, I need you to come over here, like, yep. to my van. And my friend was like, no, mm-mm. And, yeah. like put the thing back in and was like done filling up and just drove away because it freaked him out so much yeah and that circulated very widely on facebook i had an instant one morning i was still a shift at starbucks but i had to open so it was early in the morning it's like quarter to five and i was still smoking cigarettes at the time so i stopped at the country fair right near my house and i've done this plenty of times it's usually nobody really there in the morning i went in got my smokes came back out walking to my car and somebody at a gas pump is like hey hey you and I just stop walking and I'm like me because nobody ever wants to talk to me I'm right. like what it's five in the morning and they're like can you come over here can you come over here and I start walking towards my car but I'm like still engaging because I want to keep an eye on like where they're at because right. I immediately had the sinking feeling in my stomach and my car was like a good like maybe 20 30 feet away at this point and so I am walking towards the car, and the people were like, she starts walking towards me. She's like, my car won't start. And I was like, well, I'm sure they'll let you call somebody in the store. 
they're like, well, can't I just use your phone or can you come look? And I was no. like, I don't know what you think I'm going to do. I'm do not going to be like able. AAA? Like, I'm not going to jump your car. I literally was like, I don't know what you expect me to do. She's like, well, just see if you can come help. And I was like, no. And at this point, she's like coming towards my vehicle. And I literally like booked it into my car, locked it and like sped out of there. And I just like burst into tears because I was like, oh my God, like those people were trying to get me. Right. Because it was, I looked in the, in the, looked in the van and there was at least two other people in the car, and I did not like that situation right. at all. It it was not good. I've never experienced pure fear like that before. I, just, I will say, though, like, being a single woman, yeah. I'm always on high alert. You no have matter to be. what the situation is. Like, just today, for example, I stopped at Tops to get limes for our margaritas, <laughs> and I parked my car where I can just pull right out onto Liberty and go right down yeah. rather than drive around the parking lot because people don't know how to operate in parking lots. They're shopping sure carts. Don't. Everybody's old. That just, one, too, is just weird. I don't have time, but it's two blocks away from my house, so I fucking love it there. It's so <laughs> convenient. But I was sitting in my car, and I was like, hey, Brie, I'm on my way. Like, got the limes and shit. We need anything else. <laughs> Literally... Because I always lock my car doors when I'm in my car. As soon as I get out yep. of the car. I turn my car and I lock my car doors. Yep. This man crossed Liberty, stopped at my window, and went like this. Mm. <laughs> no. But I was looking down at my phone, and I get it. He was walking. He wasn't in a vehicle. Like, I could tell he wasn't trying to, like, traffic me necessarily. Yeah, but it's still. still, like, the hairs on the back of my neck went, like, straight well, out. Like, in it. There was one night my brother's car was in the shop. And remember what I told you? Yes. Yeah. So I, my brother lived on the opposite side of town of me at the time, and he got out of work at 11 p.m., so I went and picked him up and was taking him home, and I was driving on 10th Street, and I was on 10th and State, which isn't, like, the best place, but also, like... Not the worst. Not the worst. It's well lit in that area, mm-hmm. like, and I'm at the light, just waiting for it to turn, and all of a sudden, this guy, who's very clearly intoxicated, comes, like, wobbling out of the building on the corner and walks straight up to my vehicle, and is just talking and, like, yelling oh, at no. us in the car. Like, not aggressively, but still, like, yelling. And all of a sudden, I just, like, saw it happen. And my brother's like, what are you going to do? And I went, skirt. And I, like, turned the corner really quick. I was like, I don't care if I get pulled over at this point. We're getting the fuck out of here. Well, you would have a reason for being like, yeah. Luckily, a lot of cops also come to Starbucks. So I know a few of them, right. at least, that would work that shift. <laughs> so it's hopefully just, it would I- be- I guess my point is not every female is as aware as we are, yes. especially if they're actual children. Correct. They don't know the situations they're getting into. They don't know who they're placing their trust in. And that, to me, is just freaking terrifying. Well, and also, too, like, how many times do we see women, children going missing and things like that? It happens in an instant. And we're going into a time of year where it's very easy to be distracted. That is true. And it's very easy for it's you to not cr- be paying attention. And I did, I did say that on my Instagram post. It's yeah. Christmas. It's hectic. Yeah. You're trying to work, plan for the holidays, like decorate, buy presents, do yeah. all the things. There's like, so much pressure that gets put on us as humans in this time of year that sell, that choose to celebrate. And it's, it's a lot, especially coming from a situation in which Christmas was not a part of my life for right. the first 26 years. Christmas is a fucking lot, you guys. Right. Like, there are days where I'm like, I hate this shit. Aww, <laughs> like, I love it. It's Mark's, my mother-in-law is an angel, and she makes it very special, so I do enjoy it. I shouldn't say that. But it's stressful. <laughs> and so we just kind of wanted to 
like, talk about this a little bit. Bring I, it. We're gonna. My cousin Kim calls it boosting the signal. Yes, very much that. I know our platform is tiny compared to other platforms, mm-hmm. but for those of you that are listening, just be aware. Be aware yeah. of your surroundings. Be aware of the people around you. Mm-hmm. Perhaps don't go out by your by yourself if you can help it. You know what I mean? Like safety and numbers kind of thing. Like. And my biggest piece of advice to you is if you feel if you listen to your gut. If you feel like you are in a dangerous situation or you feel uncomfortable with where you're at, don't worry about being nice. Don't don't worry if you're rude. Get yourself the fuck out and get if, yourself to safety. If it feels wrong, it probably is wrong. Exactly. So it's better to take care of you. Exactly. Out there. And if you or someone that you know needs help, there is a national human trafficking hotline. It operates 24-7 and it will connect you with the resources needed to help you get to safety. This phone number is one 888 373 7888. So many eights. So a lot of eights. We're also going to have this listed in our show notes as well as some additional resources for, you know, domestic violence and things like that. Because the they, all, they all go hand it in hand. It all intertwines. Yeah. So it's a sad, gross. It's a f- terrible blooming onion, man. Horrible <laughs> onion. So that's where we leave you, my friends. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. We appreciate all of your support so very much. So much. Um, please make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Crime and Spirits Pod. On Twitter, I'm trying real hard, y'all, to be like <laughs> viral or whatever. So it's at Crime Spirits Pod. Hit us up. Um, if you'd like to follow us personally, you can find me on Instagram at Suze, not Susan. I'm also on Instagram. I'm at Bree, B R E E underscore, not the cheese. We're killing it. Heck yeah. Mm-mm-mm. We are trying to be a little bit more engaged, so if there's anything that you guys have um, like questions on or you want to chat with us about anything that we've covered. Comments, constructive criticism, whatever, just we appreciate it. Yeah, and if you guys find that you're enjoying spending some time with us, which we hope that you are, please consider leaving us a review and or rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever option your preferred streaming platform gives you. We really appreciate any feedback you guys may have for us. It literally means the world to see us. Even if you do have con- like criticism of some kind, like please engage. It's true. We've had, um, I've had friends reach out with case recommendations. Yes. Bree has had friends reach out with uh, most listened to podcasts. Yeah. Like, yes. Shout My out girl Alex. Alex. Hey. Hey, girl. Uh, hey. I love you to death and <laughs> thank you so much. It just feels really cool of Obviously, we're doing this from the ground up, mm-hmm. so we have no idea what we're doing still <laughs> Absolutely to this day. zero. <laughs> and we're trying so hard, so we appreciate it. Yeah, for real, for real. And uh, those cases that have been recommended, for those of you who may be listening right now, we're going to slot those, I think, for, like, end of January, early February. We're planned out through the end of the year and, like, mid-January yes. at this point. But if you guys have anything you want to listen to, please let us know. We will add, or even a drink. Like if I you guys have a specific liquor a, or something. A drink recommendation, case recommendation. Yeah. We're here for it. We love your suggestions. Yes, so thousand give them, percent. Give them to us. So thank you, and I hope that you stay safe and have a wonderful rest of whatever day it is that you're listening to this. And we love you. Bye. Bye.